The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. My name is Dave Parton, the pastor here, and um, thank you, Donalds, again, for leading us in worship today, and Kirsten, for your service leading. Um, each week, we spend about 30 minutes or so studying the Bible together, and we are in 1 Corinthians 13. So if you have a Bible, brought a Bible, use your phone, um, uh, we'd like to use a Bible in the, underneath the seat in front of you, feel free to do that. If you need a Bible or know somebody who needs a Bible, feel free to just take that as a gift from us to you. So 1 Corinthians 13. And while you're turning there, I, I just want to say at the end of the service today, we're going to pray for uh, the victims' families and the chaos that's happening in Buffalo, New York. Uh, maybe you saw in the news there was a shooting, and um, we'll be praying for that. Um, and as we talk about love and even the contrasts of love today, hopefully, um, as you're aware of the chaos, not just in our own country, but over in Ukraine, um, just... Uh, what we have in our at our disposal at modern times that can quickly cause um, chaos. Um, it's dangerous. It's weighty. It's sinful. And um, my hope is is that as we are a church who don't not only preaches love but tries to live out love, that we can then uh, begin seeing how love does win, and love is. This world needs. Paul's been uh, teaching us so many things through these first 12 chapters prior to 13. He's written this letter to a, a city in, in Greece called Corinth, and he's been uh, very clear of his message uh, to the church. Guys, stop complaining and arguing and uh, fighting over who's the best in your church. This is not what the gospel or what we uh, brought the love of Jesus to you for. You've you've twisted, you've broken it, and now you've just created another uh, uh, group or experience where you start uh, comparing how high or how great you are to one another. And in this idea of by the time we get to 13, he's had many cases of many things that he's been trying to explain to the people about living more like Jesus and trying to see life through the lens of the gospel and see other people the way that Jesus lived his life and saw each as well. We recognize that Jesus was the one who gave up everything in heaven to come down to the planet to become mankind so that he could show us the way to live, but even more than that, take the punishment that we deserve for not following the ways of God. So before we read these first seven verses again, and if you're visiting with us, just know we don't always teach on one word at a time through the Bible. It would be a very slow process in studying the scriptures, but we did slow down a ton in 1 Corinthians 13. Um, the first uh, section, verses 1 through 3, as we are about to read that, this idea that the gifts of God are not for us to compare, but to recognize they're for the um, uplifting of the whole body. And that if we're showing off our gift or using our skills that God has given us uh, for for a purpose that doesn't include love, then the things that you are doing for God are actually worthless. You're no longer glorifying God. You're glorifying yourself. And you are removing what the purpose of that gift was. In verse 4, we 
began to talk about one word at a time, and we talked about that love is patient. So when we got to this word, we recognize that we are to be patient, and when we are patient, we love other people, and that just being physically present with somebody does not mean you're patient with them. There is an active patience where you're listening, and you care, and you're hopeful, and you genuinely want better for them as you have this conversation and as we talked about the prodigal son and the father in this relationship that there's times where you have to wait for that conversation to come about or you have to wait for that proximity to come back because you may have friends or family or people that are being mean to you or you're upset with that seem far off and you've maybe lost your patience for them but the hope is that true love unconditional love is patient like you genuinely will wait and be hopeful that that relationship will come again and then last week we looked at verse 4 that love is kind and we uh, had this idea of unconditional love being almost impossible for humans to give to one another that there's this idea like I don't have enough in my tank to help fill up your tank But yet the Bible says I'm supposed to live that way. But we recognize that there is a condition that God gives us that allows us to have a sort of full tank of love that we can then unconditionally love other people. Because it's not their love that's filling us up, but it's the love of God. And when we live in a life that we've experienced the generosity of God and His forgiveness, we can then more easily unconditionally love others. We looked at the unmerciful servant who accepted a a gift from the king of 10,000 bags of gold to pay off his debt and how he chose not to forgive those that owed him very little. But that we are not to do that. What the kindness and to be unconditionally kind to one another means because God has been kind to us, we can be kind to others. So let's read this again, and then we're going to focus on some of the negative words today. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Verse 4, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist in its own way, it is not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Let's pray as we begin to talk about this passage. Father, it is your love and kindness and patience that allows us to to read words that you have written in the past for us today that are living and active and I pray for us today as these weighty words will be on our hearts and that we may begin to score ourselves and we may begin to feel guilt my hope this morning is that that guilt will turn into joy through the cross that we will recognize you still loved us and you still forgive us. May we rejoice.
rejoice in that today. It's in your name. Amen. So, it kind of starts off negative in the chapter as I read where, oh, you think you're pretty awesome, huh? You're nothing, right? You're a, you're a gong and a clanging cymbal. You thought you were special. You're not. You know, it's like kind of like, oh, thanks, Paul. Appreciate the letter, right? And then he gives you some kind of hopeful words. Love is patient. Love is kind. Oh, good. And then on the screen, we have the list. Does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant. Rude. Does not insist on its own way. Is not irritable or resentful. That might have been your last argument, right? Like you may have just listed those off. Because this is our pattern. These are the words that we will spend most of our life in. Is fighting against these words. And you might wonder why in the world Paul is spending so much time, you know, a couple positive words and then instantly into, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this. And, and as I began to think of that, I began to think of something that, that I've recognized, use a lot of nots in, use a lot of don'ts in. And for me, it's, it's learning sports and even maybe learning a new sport or learning a hard sport. And as a guy who's pretty much average, if not below average, at lots of things, um, there's a sport that I've spent a lot of time on, and I'm a lot worse, I feel like, the older I get, and it's the sport of golf. Ball golf, specifically. We play a lot of disc golf here, so ball golf is what I'm speaking of. So this idea of playing golf, you, you might think um, it could be one of the more simpler games, because, like, if you're a baseball player in the room, like you're like, hey, you know what? We gave up RT when we were five. You know what I'm saying? But golf player, you're like, we still use tees. Like, come on, just make it a little. Th-. Baseball players might say, they're actually throwing a ball at us, and we're trying to hit it while it's flying at us, and they're trying to make us not hit it. Ball golf's like, it's just right there. <laughs> come on, guys. Come on, golfers. You can do this. But if you've ever tried to play golf, then you know, this game is hard. This game is so hard. I feel like sometimes the, the hole at the end is smaller than the ball. Like it's like, this game's impossible. So my kids have wanted to go to a driving range. And last fall, I took them to a driving range. And, and I recognized that I probably spent about 30 seconds going, hey guys, just do this. And the next 45 minutes was, don't. Stop. No, 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 no. Don't, don't do the stop. Don't do the st- Do you see where we're going? When you need to learn something new or something's pretty hard, there's normally a lot of like don'ts and stop and you're doing it wrong. And I think that's when we look at the scriptures sometimes we have this idea like God has a lot of don'ts in the Bible. Well, because when he says, love God and love others, we get it wrong a lot. So he's like, that's what you're, no, don't, stop. You're you're just, do you see the problem there? Because the goal is we should agape love. We should unconditionally love. So as we go through the words today, please don't see this as a, a God who's extremely angry or mad or extremely disappointed in all aspects of your life. Picture it more of a dad trying to teach his kids how to play golf. He wants us to get it right, but you have to actually point out this is the wrong way to do that. 
if you've ever played golf, and if you've ever sat with somebody who's trying to teach you golf, it's like, okay, hold the club like this. Wrap your hands around like this. Not too tight, not too loose, right? Keep your head down, right? Feet lined up, not too far from the ball, but not too close to the ball, right? Right? Bend your knees, but not too bent, not too straight. Left arm, not too bent, not too straight. Right arm, relax it, but use it as twist, but don't twist too much. It's complicated. Like, literally, that's only a third of what you say when you teach golf to somebody. And I tell you what, there's nothing like this. If you ever played golf, and you go into the, first, you go into the tee box, you came, off of, you came off of the driving range, and you stand there, and then all of a sudden, a couple flights of guys show up to, to drive after you. So now you have a crowd, and your friends, and all you're thinking is, Pass the ladies' tea. All right, here we go. Just drive it past the ladies' tea. And then you have that. You have this, this feeling of getting it wrong around other people. That's what these words feel like today. There's a, there's a pragmatic, like, we want to get it right, but then it's also like, there's people around. I, I want to love correctly because I want to live right with my brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as serve God well. So it does make sense for Paul in writing to people who are naturally selfish, bad lovers, bad, unconditionally loving people. This list of attributes that shows us that we're not being loving. And I hope today that as we go through the words that you take it one at a time. I chose not to spend the next seven weeks on seven words, um, because I think it's good that we can kind of go through the scriptures, but also I don't want to limit or lessen the importance of each one of these words. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says this, Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist in its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Today is going to be a self-reflection day. Are you unconditionally loving others? Agape love is selfless. It considers the needs of others before your own. So as we look at these uh, seven attitudes or actions, my hope is that these will, rec- they, these will show us any sort of spaces in our life or people in our life that are contrasting to the way we should be acting. So number one, love does not envy. The points today will be very simple, straight from the scriptures. Love does not envy. So this word envy may be similar to how we talked about patience. Envy is not a passive word. It's, a, it's not inactive. It's a very, the word envy is very passionate. It's a very passionate word. And it means to be like painfully desirous of another's advantages. So it's almost like somebody else gets an advantage and you have pain. That's, that's envy when there's this desire from pain. The fall of Satan himself was due to envy. He desired the advantage of God and was separated from God because of it. And then Satan used the same tactic with Adam and Eve to entice them. Oh, don't you want to know all things and be like God? And still today, I believe that this is a key weapon of the enemy. 
of God. That we would turn what we should celebrate and turn into what we should be envious of and disappointed in and want. Galatians 5.22, as we see a parallel verse that Paul also wrote this uh, passage to the church in Galatia. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You see the pairing there. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. See this passion, these desires that we need to crucify that go against the ways of God. And this is how the fruit of the Spirit is followed up in Galatians 5.25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So love is patient and kind. It's not envious. It's like there's these, what's the opposite of patience and kindness and loving somebody? This idea of celebrating somebody. Well, it's to want to bring them down and to bring you in their spot. Are you one that hears of another's win or another's advantages and compare that to your own situation? And not celebrate. This may be a sign that you need to take this unloving thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Sure, there's a time and a place to learn and grow as we see other people being blessed. But when it's a contrast to your own situation and you can't celebrate, it is sin. You see, when we're we're any part of the body of Christ wins, we should win. We should celebrate when um, many of us are on soccer fields on Saturday mornings and when one kid scores a goal and the whole team jumps up and rejoices, that's a good thing because they know they're a part of a team. And in the body of Christ, this should be the same. And as we played a team yesterday that I don't think had a win all season, and they beat us by a couple goals. And to see them rejoice as a dad, seeing our kids a little sad about it, I'm like, man, I'm so glad they won. But can we do that in life outside of sports, outside of competition, outside of a game? Can you do that with workmates and family members and other families to see people be victorious in their life and go, that is awesome for them. You got 50 extra grand when you sold your house. That's awesome for you. Even though maybe your family only got 10. Aren't we complaining a lot right now, right? It's like we find ways to be mad at the, the wildest things. But when we can recognize this is good for our community, this is good for our church, we should be able to celebrate and when it's not flattery and it's when, when it's genuine, as we rejoice in their win, it is true love. And when not, it's envy. So love does not envy. Next, you can kind of see how these are going to go. Love does not boast and love is not arrogant. I'm putting these two together because they're very similar. Arrogance is the pride that leads to boasting. This is the 
the bragging or the praising of oneself among others. As, as Paul is trying to remind the church uh, that these spiritual gifts that they were displaying, they're like, hey, check out the gift that I have. I'm the best. Paul's like, no, this is not at all how this is supposed to work in the church. He's trying to remind him that these gifts are free gifts from God to his people to glorify God, not to glorify us. And when we can do that, we truly love. Love considers others first. Are you consider? Considering others first. In the Old Testament, boasting is often used to describe the attitude of God's enemies who depend on their own strength, their own chariots and swords and horses and power. Look what we have done. That's, that's the, the Old Testament rhythm of boasting. But in our country, in the way that we live many of our lives, we, we, we feed off, look what I have done. And this is why Paul is a reminding of this today. It is not our resources, but God's. It is a life that should live in boasting that we are dependent on God. And this is true love. And what is boasting in self and arrogance? It's saying, look at how independent I am. Check out how good I did. Check out the way that I can live and act and save and purchase and do. And what Paul is saying is when you live that way, you're no longer living in love. Jeremiah 9, 24, as he describes this idea of what we should boast in, he says this, but let him who boasts boast in this. That he understands and knows me. This is God. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. We looked at this passage last week. But here we focus in, what do we boast in? What are we excited about? Well, look what God has done. And we can appreciate that we get to be used by him. We can have joy. But he is the one who gets the glory. Love does not boast in oneself, but boasts only in the Lord. The, the giver, we say this often, this phrase, the giver gets the glory. The one who get to gives all the gifts. The receivers are happy because they receive something, but who gets the honor? Well, look at the generosity of the king. Do you often seek to be noticed and praised? Or do you seek to praise God and to lift up others around you. Love considers others first. Love's not arrogant and love does not boast in oneself. Number four, love is not rude. Now this rudeness has to do with uh, a contrast of, of living honorably, like living decently, um, there's some, there's some healthy social norms around us that Paul is saying, don't go against those. Don't be, don't be rude. And we use this word in our language, so it's not too complicated for understand this, but it's a biblical way to act. 
So one commentator, Thistleton, said this way as he, tried, as he was connecting what was going on in the church in Corinth and, and why this rudeness was an issue. He says this, that worship services should be conducted with propriety. That is, with order, good taste, courtesy, and the absence of egocentric concern to draw attention to one's own gifts. And words should not be chosen at the expense of others. And our hope is this is the way that we want to have our Bible studies and worship services and gatherings at Neighborhood Church. That we'd be a church that's decent. That we don't have to be crude to get a laugh. And that even as we consider this idea of the expense of others, that the jokes or the humor that I hope you experience within our community is not at your expense or some group in our society, but that uh, speakers or even yourself in your own small groups and Bible studies, that you would, you would recognize self-deprecating humor is some of the best ways to tear yourself down, but also bring some levity to the room and bring some energy to the what's going on and actually be an enjoyment to others. But do you see that if you yourself wants to be funny, you yourself wants to be the, the leader of enjoyment in a moment, and you're going to use destroying somebody else to do that, you're doing two sins. You're hurting somebody, and you're also being arrogant, proud, and rude. So, I allow you to be funny. I love being funny. I think, I think humor is one of the best things that God has given to us to actually get through the craziness of this life. But I hope that you do not try to be funny at somebody else's expense. That you don't try to be crude and push the envelope so that others laugh but recognize that that probably was quite rude of you. And I will try to do the same. And I know in many of our circles, as the, my personality didn't even get to be the pastor of our church, I get to say a lot of words, so I probably sin the most in this category. But I hope that you would call me out on it. And I hope that you would help me recognize that this is wrong. So love is not rude. I don't have a verse for that one. That's just straight up. You know what I'm saying? It's like, guys, let's not be rude. Let's be decent and courteous people here. Verse, or number five of our words. Love does not insist on its own way. So love's not seeking or selfish. This kind of seems like a little bit of umbrella for the first 13 chapters of 1 Corinthians. As we've already been talking, Paul is saying, guys, Others matter. And we're going to look at just chapter 10, 24. We've already preached through this. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. We, we want our way so much. So as we kind of start diving deeper this morning, we're starting here. We want our way so much. It's my needs I'm first. It takes a significant heart change to make this happen. And what I could think about was just this idea of the kindness God has given to us. Can I recognize that I have an unending tap of love from God to me that my way is not the most important? 
my view on this or that subject is not the most important. It's God's way that's most important. And if we're talking about things that aren't specific to the scriptures, can you live a life of sacrifice and model what Jesus has done for us? Others' desires should be before our own. And I don't know what comes to your mind right now where you have failed in this. Maybe it was an argument. Maybe it was a connection with somebody else. Maybe it's something going on in your life where you're just like, no, my desires are first and theirs are second. And you're going, I don't know if I agree with the Bible now. But my hope is that you would want to love and that you would want to follow the ways of Christ and that you would say, okay, this is a big topic. Where in my life am I number one and I need to step down? Love does not insist on its own way, but it insists on the ways of God, which is love. Six, love is not irritable. The NIV, maybe many of us may have heard it, love is not easily angered. So when I, when, I, when I study this idea of anger, and especially this irritable, this easily angered piece, because are, there are things that kind of grow, right? There's, there's ways that grow, and you kind of maybe there's other sins that are involved in that where your, your anger gets so fired up. But what happens when it's just like, boom, and you're like, you kind of scare yourself a little bit. Like, why did I get so enraged so quickly in this situation? I, I begin to just wonder at least from my experience, it's those that I love the most, or those that are the closest to me that, like, that's what happens. And as I begin to consider, maybe what's the picture of that? And, and I, I'm going to speak for these next two kind of personal a little bit, but it's kind of like I have like a, like a, a gas leak, like kind of coming out of somewhere that it's, you know, it's like flammable. And it's just there, and I almost forget that it's there. But if something is said by a sp specific person or a specific group or because of maybe the past, like, boom, explosion. A am I alone in this? Like, is this something that maybe we might, some of us might share? But there's this idea that this irritableness, this easily angeredness, is something that's actually always there. And I have to admit to that. We as a church need to admit to that. Those who, us, who succumb to this irritableness are easily angered moments. And I have to recognize that this is immature, this is unhealthy, that I've not dealt with this leak. And I need to repent. And in my own life, it goes to blame. And maybe that's for you as well. Where the spark, it's actually your fault. That's pride. That's my desires of justice and rightness. And I need to repent. But love is not irritable. James 1.19 has been important for me as I've been trying to grow in this area. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. 
Friends, hopefully like you, I want to produce a life that has the righteousness that God desires. Jesus, he displayed unconditional love and mercy all the time. May we be a people that are quick to listen, slow to speak, solve the leaks, which leads us into our last word of the day. Love is not resentful. What is resentment? Well, it's, it's a record of wrongs that we keep. It's the, it's the past that we hold others hostage with in the present. What's resentment? It's, it's, it's a list of wrongs that we hold from the past. We hold people hostage to them right now. So if we can connect these two, it's, it's the fuel. It's the leak sometimes. It's the thing that's just like right there on the edge. And if that gets brought up this way or that way, anger, selfishness, pride, resentfulness. But love, love is not resentful. Love doesn't have this these potential flame, flammable gas. Hebrews 10.7 says this, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, there is an amen by saying, God is not resentful. Amen? God doesn't keep a record of all of our wrongs. What he says is, I'm going to punish them on my son. Love. So my hope today as we go through all of these, we recognize that we have an agape loving God who is not resenting us that we're in his family. God does not resent that we're in his family. He is happy. He is so glad. I share this to remind us that we are to love and forgive and show mercy the same way that God has done that for us. And it's out of that filling of our tank that we can then unconditionally love others. This list today screams an idea of confession. And we end our services with communion. And my hope is that you'll spend some time considering these words, considering where you're at and who and who you aren't loving. My hope is, is that before you take communion, you will even possibly make things right with somebody in the room that you have not said a word to about this yet or maybe there's a text you need to send and then come and experience the true forgiveness that, get, that Christ gives to all those who will believe in his forgiveness. I want to end with just kind of reading the passage one more time. 1 Corinthians 14, love does not envy or boast, it's not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way, it is not irritable or resentful. So in light of this, this is what we believe love does. Love celebrates others and desires and re redirects glory to God. Love is tasteful. 
and courteous and insists on others' ways. Love is slow to speak, slow to anger. Love regularly erases the slate of wrongs and completely forgives. This is what God has done for us. Let me pray. Jesus, we, we thank you as we sang and prayed and confessed and, and read through your scriptures. As we have done that, my prayers of the Spirit will come and continue to, to work on our hearts as people who drift from love so quickly and we drift to self. I pray that hearts are heavy, but then you lighten them today. And the gift of that contrast is the worship and the joy and the gratitude of kids who love their father. Thank you for being a God who initiated, who did all the work, who reminds, who keeps saying, yes, I forgive you. Amen.